Welcome to our Think Kingdom podcast. Happy Resurrection Day and welcome to a message that's called The Road from the Resurrection. Let's jump in and see what God's Word has for us with lead pastor Antoine Lassiter. I tell you what, it's good to see you, but can I jump right into the Word? I feel like preaching. Luke chapter 24, I got a lot of verses to read. Um, But I I really want us to capture what I believe that the Lord is saying to us this time, this hour, this moment. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came to the tomb bringing the spices they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. They went in but did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men stood by them in dazzling clothes. So the women were terrified and bowed down to the ground. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? Asked the men. He is not here, but he has risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee. Let's jump down to the 13th verse. Now that same day, two of them were on their way to a village called Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. Together, they were discussing everything that had taken place. And while they were discussing and arguing, Jesus himself came near and began to walk along them. But they were prevented from recognizing him. Put a tack in that. They were prevented from recognizing him. Then he asked them, what is this dispute that you're having with each other as you are walking? And they stopped walking and looked discouraged. The one named Cleopas answered him, are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that happened there in these days? What things, he asked them. So they said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, powerful in action and speech before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we were hoping that he was the one who was about to redeem Israel. Besides all this, it's the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women from our group astounded us. They arrived early at the tomb, and when they didn't find his body, they came and reported that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they didn't see him. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Wasn't it necessary? for the Messiah to suffer these things and enter into his glory. Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted for them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. They came near the village where they were going, and he gave them the impression that he was going farther. But they urged him, stay with us. Because it's almost evening, and now the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. It was as he inclined at the table with them that he took the bread, blessed, and broke it and gave it to them. Then their eyes were open and they recognized him, but he disappeared from their sight. They said to each other, weren't our hearts burning within us while he was talking with us on the road and explaining the scriptures to us? That very hour, 
they got up and returned to Jerusalem. They found the eleven and those with them gathered together who said, The Lord has truly been raised and has appeared to Simon. Then they began to describe what had happened on the road and how he was made known to them in the breaking of the bread. I want to use for a few moments the topic, the road from the resurrection. Uh, have you ever just wanted to get away? Life becomes hard or unmet or disappointed expectations of where you should be or where you want it to be. Things are not lining up. You ask the question, what now? What's next? Where do I go from here? What do I do? You ever have shattered dreams? You have more questions than answers. And then you sprinkle heartbreak. Then you now understand what's happening with Cleopas and his companion. It's Easter morning, and these two disciples are leaving Jerusalem. But why would they stay? Jerusalem, once a place of hope, was turned into a place of pain. A place of hope you now is a place of sorrow and loss. It's a place of death and disappointment. It's suffocating them. When they have to leave, why stay? What is the point of holding on to that place when all your dreams got crushed? It was Hosanna, Hosanna on Monday. Crucify him on Friday. Silence on Saturday. And questions about where is Jesus on Sunday. This is our issue because we have the benefit of history. We can look back and see the story unfolding. And for many of us, this is a very familiar story. So we know how the story ends, but think back for a moment. When the person you followed and you believed you gave your life to, and he was telling you things at the time you clearly didn't understand, and now he's gone. Why would we stay in Jerusalem? Why would we stay here? I'm sure they are talking about what happened and what didn't. Jesus was arrested. He was tortured. He was crucified and buried, and their hopes buried with him. Disappointment is probably an understatement. He said he's the one, but now he's dead. Maybe it was a new beginning for them, and so maybe they invested all they had, and now it's gone. They heard about the resurrection from the women, but there are things you want to see for yourself. Verse number 21, he said, but we were hoping that he was the one who was about to redeem us. But it all means nothing now. Their grief is real. Their life is being wrecked. What they prayed for did not come to pass. What they sowed, they did not reap. Their plans did not come to fruition. And that's why I'm leaving Jerusalem. I got to take a walk to get my head together. And I brought a friend with me. And now the question becomes, why Emias? I don't know why Emias. It's just not Jerusalem. I believe they chose a place, any place, except Jerusalem, but Emmaus 
literally means hot springs, warm springs. So Emmaus for them could be a place of comfort. You ever leave one place going to the next seeking comfort? And that's what we have these two disciples doing. Jerusalem is the place they believed. This is the place they found Jesus. That's the place they followed Jesus. And now Jesus is dead. Jerusalem is a place, any place is better than Jerusalem because Jerusalem is a place of brokenness and heartbreak. But Emmaus, this journey, remember, they don't know what we know at the time. But this place is not just a place of escape because if you keep walking, you keep walking, it becomes a place of discovery. God can use us running to a place of escape that we discover who he really is. But I'm not there just yet. It's hard to tell Jesus is with you when you are grieving. It's hard to tell Jesus is with you when uncertainty lurks behind every door that you open. It's hard to tell Jesus is with you when you are being clouded by circumstances. I can't see Jesus. And then the need to escape is just a cry out. But it reveals more than what Cleopas and his friend think. Because even in a place of emptiness where we nurture our wounds can be a place of discovery. Emias is not an excuse to be broken, but reveals a longing for wholeness. Some tragic, tragic trauma happened and I'm longing for wholeness and I'm moving to a place of comfort. It's not just merely a place of brokenness, but it's a longing and hunger for restoration. The person that we followed is now dead. And this journey is a result of their heart's cry to make sense of the world around them. And there are many things worse than fear, loss. Many of us have lost some things this past year, and loss becomes a monster that feeds on every fabric of hope, and loss consumes you. They lost a friend. They lost a teacher. They lost hope, and along the way, they lost themselves. Their behavior is a means of expressing what their hearts are feeling. I mean, think about it. They're walking and they're arguing about what they saw, what they heard. We communicate what we believe by what we do. And on this journey, Cleopas and his friends, I believe, are processing what happened. I'm not sure what you call your Amias, but realize that it can be a place of redemption. But let me not get ahead of myself. They, Cleopas and his friend, they have a hunger for life. They have a hunger for wholeness. Wholeness. They have a hunger for community, purpose, and peace. Their hearts are longing for what Jesus promised. But the impact of the loss is often seen, is often seen by the gravity of the grief. They are grieving so hard that the impact of the loss is shaping how they see. So they leave Jerusalem, headed to Emmaus. Now that same day, two of them were on their way to a village called Emmaus, which is about seven miles from Jerusalem. Leaving Jerusalem, 
headed away from Jerusalem, headed toward Emmaus. They're on the road from the resurrection. The resurrection happened here, and they're moving away from it and not to it. What do we do now? This question is asked in so many different ways. We'd heard, but we still can't see. What do you do when you still can't see Jesus? I can't stay here. Got to get away. I did sign up for this. I believe if you're here today on this Resurrection Sunday, God is about to answer this question. Last year was hard, no denying it. But as hard as it was, God was more faithful. Even if you are still on the road and don't benefit and don't have the benefit of hindsight, even if you feel that you are coming away from the resurrection, I'm telling you today to keep walking. You're not big enough to confuse the will of God for your life. I don't know where or what your Emmaus is, but Jesus is right there. I need to get to the heart of this message. Now the two on this day heard all the things about the resurrection and they were discussing, they were discussing what they heard and what their experience. And then I want you to pay particular attention to as they were walking. Verse number seven. No, I'm sorry. Verse number 15. And while they were discussing and arguing, Jesus himself came near and began to walk along with them. My first point, and this to give us hope. You could be walking away from God right now, but Jesus pursues you. I need for you to understand that. You missed it. You missed it. Here you have the disciples walking away from the epicenter of the resurrection, yet Jesus finds them. God promised us in Jeremiah 29 and 13, you will seek me and find me, and when you seek me with all your heart, but God initiates. The entire scripture is the story of God pursuing us. Adam and Eve sinned and they ran away. God pursues. Where are you? God goes looking for them. He goes looking for us. God has always had a heart of reconciliation. You may be running away from him, but he is pursuing you. Oh, maybe COVID got your rhythms off or you just or you saw just how important your job was but then it was taken away. God is still pursuing you, just like he pursued the two disciples. But God, according to Romans 5 and 8, showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. That should help us recognize that God was pursuing us while we were still actively, intentionally sinning. Man... He pursues us even when we walk away. He reaches down to hold us, to love us. God came in the flesh to pursue those he created and opened the doors of salvation. We are here today because of God through Christ's sacrifice. Through his followers, through his followers, 
Jesus now pursues men and women of every nation, tribe, and tongue. Some of Jesus' final words to his disciples, Acts chapter 1, you will be my witnesses. Why? Because you will testify of the goodness of Jesus Christ. He's pursuing you, and despite this pursuit, and here's the irony, here's the contradiction, here's what breaks our heart. In spite of the pursuit, we can still be prevented from seeing him. Oh, my God, if he would just reveal himself. How many prayers have we had if he just would just show himself, if he just would just answer the prayer? We're about to see what Christ does. Then he asked them, what is this dispute that you're having with each other? And they stopped walking, and they looked discouraged. One named Cleopas, I believe because he answered first, he's mentioned in the Bible. The second guy should have said something, but I digress. Are you the only visitor? <laughs> then he gets smart with them. Where you been, bro? Every, everybody in Jerusalem know this. What have you been, dead or something? But then he says, I, I want you to see this. In verse number 19, what things? He asked them. Listen to the words. Jesus, Messiah, deliverer. King of kings. Listen to how they describe him now. Be careful because trouble has a way of revealing what's in your heart. Watch this. Watch this. Jesus asked him, what things? So they said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet. What? Wait a minute. I thought Jesus said, I am the resurrection. I am the life. You mean to tell me you're allowing circumstances to determine your perspective of Jesus? Trouble has a way of revealing who we are. Trouble has a way of exposing the depths of our hearts. Just because things did not turn out the way we prayed for does not mean Jesus is not who he says he is. And he says, it's a powerful prophet. In action and speech. That's it. Cleopas and his companion, despite being disciples, didn't know who Jesus was. I believe there may be a couple reasons for this. Discouragement. Discouragement is a monster. Unmet expectations. Jesus gives them an opportunity to talk about what's in their hearts, but they reduce Jesus to their experience. God knows what we believe, but reveals to us what we believe. What was your language? What is your language when bad things happen? What do you really believe? It's not for God's benefit. It's for yours. Sometimes we say things we don't even mean. Oh, I'm with you. Until. <laughs> yeah. God knows what we believe, but reveals to us what we believe. He shows us what's in our hearts. And despite all he taught them. They had an idea of who Jesus was and had ideas of what he had come to do and how he should do it. How many times do we miss who Jesus is based on what we think he should be doing? When things don't turn out the way we think they should, we dismiss his goodness. Despite all they have witnessed and experienced, they still are prone to miss Jesus. Despite being able to see him, didn't mean they could see who he was. Despite being able to see him, didn't mean they could see who he was. Knowing about him 
and knowing him are two different things. Man, I'm telling you. Uh, let me get to my I got a long, no, I don't. I ain't got a long way to go. But let me get to my point. Stay focused, Reverend. Stay fo- this is what I say in my head. Stay focused, Reverend. Verse number 25, he said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Wasn't it necessary for the Messiah to suffer these things and enter into his glory? Watch this. Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted for them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. So not only does Jesus pursues us, Jesus points us to scriptures. Jesus wanted them to see that if they will only believe what the scriptures say about him, they would understand why he came and why he had to suffer. Scripture gives testimony of who Jesus is. Not only does Jesus pursues us, he points us to his word, scriptures. We have a whole world telling us who Jesus is. We have celebrities explaining that there are many ways to heaven. Jesus points us to scriptures. Others tell us that Jesus was a good man, a great prophet, good teacher. But outside the knowledge of scripture, we would never have a proper understanding of who Jesus is. Jesus wants his followers to be rooted in scripture. And that's why Jesus points them back to Scripture. I believe, as the old school preachers used to say, I believe he walked that dog from Moses to Revelation. I believe that he expounded on Scriptures. And so before he reveals himself to them, he points them back to Scripture. Confusion? Go to Scripture. Worried? Go to Scripture. Who Jesus is? Go to Scripture. It's the Scripture. It's the power of God expressed through his word. We got to get back to the Bible. 2 Timothy 3 and 16, all Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true. You don't know what's true is? Don't know what it is? It's Scripture. And then the Scripture says, and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. That is what Scripture does. It corrects us, according to 2 Timothy 3 and 16. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. Pastor, I don't know what to do. Well, what does the Bible say? I'm not talking about your favorite philosophizer. What does the Bible say? God prevented these two disciples from recognizing Jesus for a deeper truth. Even in seeing, check this out, even in seeing, we might not believe. We must trust the testimony of Scripture. Romans 10 and 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You want more faith? Get a little bit more scripture in you. The scripture tells us the truth about Jesus. In our darkest moment, I got scripture. Psalms 119 and 105, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. If you are here concerned about your future, Let me point you to scriptures because scriptures point you to Jesus. I understand that the future may seem dark or for some, the future seems bright. 
But none of that matters if we don't understand the God of the future. Success isn't an indicator of God's presence, but struggle isn't an indicator of God's absence. We got to understand what God desires from us. Some of us had catastrophes in the last year, but that's not everybody's testimony. Some people prospered more last year than they ever did in their life. But God is the Lord of them all. If I can play, praise him when things are bad and I can still praise him when things are good, that, that is the decision that, that we have to all make to make him Lord. Scripture informs us what we need to know about Jesus. That's why in Psalms 139 and 8, if they, if David writes, if I go to heaven, success, you are there. If I go to the grave, death, despair, you are there. Success isn't an indicator of God's presence, but struggle is an indicator of God's absence. We need to settle that in our hearts. But why would Jesus take time to do this? Why did Jesus just not show himself? Because I believe that he, know, he knows this was only the beginning. He knows that this journey that they're on is just the beginning. Psalms 1 and 2. It says, delight in the Lord's instruction. That's his word. And he meditates on it day and night. And when you do that, he is like a tree planted beside the flowing streams. Right. Scripture cannot be engulfed in tweets. We are, oh, man, look. <laughs> nope. <laughs> See, I don't have a clever message. I'm not trying to be charted with humor or worldly wisdom. What I know is that when the storms come and they come in, when the fiery winds blow, Jesus thought it was important for us to be grounded in his word. From Moses to the prophets, Jesus takes them back because scripture is the foundation. In essence, he is telling them this isn't about you. It's about me. And so he opens the scripture and just walks them. He frames their journey, making them see it's all about him. Jesus, through the scripture, is the anchor, the cornerstone. And we build our lives around him. And then when we cry out to him, even in the face of adversity, we can shout as, as it was so poetically and visually done, I will not die. But I will live and proclaim what the Lord has done. We can only do that when we're anchored in the word of God. So Jesus pursues us. Jesus points us to scriptures. Verse number 28, they came near the village where they were going, and he gave them the impression that he was going farther. But they urged him, stay with us, because it's almost it's getting dark. It is dark. This day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. It was as he inclined at the table with them that he took the bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. My God. Then their eyes were open, and they recognized him. Too late, but he disappeared from their sight. Jesus knows how to make an entrance, and he knows how to make an exit. Jesus is that dude. Jesus points us to the scriptures. The scriptures point us to Jesus. My last point, but it's only through fellowship that Jesus reveals himself. 
It's around fellowship that disciples see Jesus for who he really is. After the resurrection, many of his appearances are associated with table fellowship. The scripture says that biblical knowledge is far better than gold when it fuels our trust in God because it fuels our intimacy with God. But when biblical knowledge replaces our trust in God, it only fuels our pride. It becomes a jousting contest. Who Look, the enemy, the devil knows scripture, but the devil is not in fellowship with God. And so if we want to be a church on mission, moving as family, if we want to be a church that goes past the platitudes and the tweets and the clever sayings, then we have to understand that God is pursuing us, that he points us to Scripture. And if God himself, if Jesus himself points us to Scripture, then it must be important. And then he desires to be in fellowship with us. Fellowship with God does not depend on our ability to see him, but it depends on us taking him for his word. We have to see past the pain to be in fellowship with Jesus. We can't reduce Jesus to programs, principles, or groups. It's in fellowship, meditating on his word both day and night. It's talking to him. It's being with like believers. Something begins to happen when we are intimate with God. The world distorts what life is. God is the source, and therefore, only he can define what life truly is. The psalmist writes, for it is good to be near God. James 4 and 8 says, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Bible translations, apps, studies, reminders, playlists are plentiful in this culture. But knowledge is not synonymous with trust. You search the scriptures, John, Jesus is that dude. John chapter five, verse 39, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witnesses about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. You mean to tell me that we don't even understand talking to the Pharisees that the that God of the scriptures point himself to me? Despite what it looks like, despite how it feels, despite what page I'm on in the chapter of my life, I need to draw closer to God. We draw closer to God through Faith in Christ. Christ alone gives us access. How does my faith grow? By giving God my whole heart. How does my faith grow? By being real with God. How does my faith grow? By being driven by eternity. We, for the last few weeks, we're unpacking this. And it comes down to this, Tiffany, that Christ has done all the heavy lifting. Jesus reveals himself to them at the table of fellowship. When Jesus wanted to explain his death to them, he didn't pull out PowerPoint. He served them a meal. Fellowship, Pastor Ramon, fellowship requires us to slow down. Fellowship in a fast-paced, data-driven 
platform developed culture. It's the table of fellowship that's often neglected. We get in and we get out. And God help us when COVID hit. We didn't even fellowship at all. But Jesus, at the point of his death and the pressure that he was feeling, come eat with me. And then Jesus, the last 24 hours of his life, slows down. And you know what he does? What would you do your last day on this earth? Jesus washed feet. This is the Messiah, the Savior, the Creator, and he slows down and fellowships because the table is a place to remember and acknowledge the blessing of God. He, he took the bread, blessed it, and broke it and gave it to them. The table is a place of brokenness. Think about it. When was the last time your family sat down at the table? The, the, the table is a place that Jesus made it a habit of eating with broken people. They called Jesus a glutton because they kept seeing him eat. He kept eating with the sinners, so they called him a, a drunk and a glutton because Jesus wanted to have fellowship with us. You nasty, dirty, low-down sinner, and Jesus saying, let me eat with you. That's God. It's, it's at the table of fellowship. The most hurtful part of COVID-19 wasn't the stuff, wasn't the, the COVID-19, wasn't that. It was the lack of fellowship with the saints. God, it's the table of fellowship that we find connection and belonging. Many of us are scattered because we don't fellowship. If we can't fellowship, if we don't fellowship with him, how can we fellowship with each other? You see that? He took the bread. He blessed it. And he broke it. And he gave it. And God's desire is for us to share our tables with them, with him and for others. Remember, I left, I started, that something drove them out of Jerusalem to walk to Amias. I'm going to leave you with this. Verse number 31. I'm sorry. Yeah, verse number 31. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him, but he disappeared from their sight. They said to each other, man, weren't our hearts burning within us while he was talking with us on the road and explaining the scriptures to us? That very hour they got up, you see this? That very hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem. You see it? Something drove them out of Jerusalem, headed to the place of comfort in Maius. They see Jesus, and then they go back to Jerusalem. Someone here may... may Someone here now may feel that they are back where they started. Nah. You've gone back with a new revelation, new wisdom. You're a different person. You see Jesus differently. Someone here may feel that your life is in pieces. 
But Jesus is on the journey with you. Just can't see him yet. There's a Jerusalem in Amias and a new Jerusalem in all of us. These two had a map or plan that they expected Jesus to follow. And in turn, their lives were wrapped into this thinking. Even when they reached their destination, fueled by the pain of their experience, Jesus revealed that their journey wasn't over. The disciples know Jesus in the breaking of the bread. Old habits, misguided expectations can keep us from seeing Jesus. The good news, though, is that we are not left behind. We are a people of word, of the word and fellowship. We'll call to Jesus by the gathering, by the worship, hearing the word of God and breaking bread together. Until transformation happens, we continue to recycle our own experiences fueled by emotions, which can stunt our growth and spiritual maturity, a failure to thrive. They returned to the place from which they had to get away from. Jerusalem is not only the place of death, but it's also the place of life. It's a place of being wrecked and being restored. They leave one place to go to another, have an experience with God, and they go back to the other place. If your life has ever been wrecked, this is your story. If your life has been restored, then this is your story. And for those who are in the in-between place, in the middle somewhere along the dash line, somewhere between wrecked and restored, this is your story. We live Jerusalem. We left Jerusalem just to come back to it. We face death, losses, and shattered lives. And when we do, we discover that life awaits us and Jesus is with us. This entire time, Jesus has been with us. We recover the lost pieces of ourselves. Jerusalem, the city, hasn't changed, but we have. Shattered lives, broken bread, restored lives are possible because of his resurrection. His resurrection is the game changer for us. His resurrection is the game changer for you. So where I want to leave us with, no matter where we are in this journey, whether you feel like you're just getting started and looking for a place of comfort, may not see it yet, keep walking. Jesus with you. But it has to be rooted in who Jesus says he is. But when the world attacks the notion of who he is, we root it in Scripture. If you're not rooted in Scripture, we're not rooted in his word, we are liable to believe anything. And the greatest attack, I believe, that the church is experiencing is biblical illiteracy. We do not know 
Say it a little louder, sir. We don't know what's in that word. So we do what we feel. And God forbid, if what we feel comes to fruition or it happens, and then that becomes the way. I know I prayed to God and this happened. But that prayer don't line up with his word. So we either got to dismiss that prayer or dismiss his word. I want this church. I know it's, I know it's not popular. Darcy, I want this church to get back to the Bible. We can be, we can worship the Lord freely, and I, and I, and I applaud that. I, I believe that we're going to have seasons where we just come and worship. But if we don't know the Word of God, then Jesus could be on this journey with us, and we can't even see him. And I'm getting the heart of Moses. If you don't go with us, I don't want to go. My prayer for this church is that the roots begin to grow. And we no longer walk in fear. But we get that the men, the women, the parents, center everything they do on the word of God. Not how we feel. Not what's popular in the culture. Because when they were running from Jerusalem and Christ pursued them, he spent time opening scripture. Not books on philosophy. The church Got to get back to the Bible. And I believe that Jesus is showing us the way. So if you're here today, it says pursue, point us to Scripture, this fellowship. If you're here today and you don't have a church home, it used to be unpopular. I, used to, I, used, I did not understand what they, the old saints would say when they say, you need to find you a good Bible teaching church. What does that mean? All the churches teach the Bible? No, they don't. This is not a knock on churches. I'm saying that, that, that even beyond what we can do for 40 minutes on this pulpit and the little groups that we're going to be birthing out in the next few weeks, if we don't have the habits of reading God's word for ourselves, we will be blown by every wind doctrine. Every time a new doctrine come out, we believe that. And it's and it's drifting us further and further away from God. There are things in the Bible that make me feel good. There are things in the Bible that make me feel bad. I can't change now one of them. It's the authority of God. That was Pastor Antoine keeping us focused on the road from the resurrection. We must remember that Christ pursues us, he points us to scripture, and reveals himself through fellowship. If you're blessed by anything you hear on this podcast and you feel led to give, feel free to text the word GIVE to 704-741-3705. 
Thank you to our new friends, now family of Think Kingdom. And if you haven't, subscribe to us on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram under Think Kingdom. And as always, you can go back and hear this message and more here on our Think Kingdom podcast. Thank you.